This traffic is insane. I've been in the car for 10 hours and still have days of travel to get through. Honestly, maybe I'll just pull over and sleep in my car. Or I could try to turn around. I'll probably have to sit in an hour's worth of traffic just to be able to turn around. I guess I'll just wait and see what happens. The map isn't even showing the traffic right now. During the standstill, I just try to see what the nearest city is without having to turn around. And now, no service. We creep forward bit by bit. I finally come on a utility truck with a guy talking to all the cars that pass by. It's an overturned truck full of chemicals. Special hazmat team's gotta go out and clean it up. Just stay in your cars. Great. As if it couldn't get any worse, we are now sitting on toxic waste freeway. Some cars are turning left. I wonder where that road goes. Due to the lack of service and a finite amount of gas, it's a juggle whether to follow along is a bad idea. I finally pull up to the turn and decide, screw it. I don't know when my next chance will be, and it could be fine. There could be a little town with a gas station. Just have to make it to one and I'll be good. The car in front of me also turns. That makes me feel better. I won't be all alone driving down the road. I don't know how I'd let them know I'm in trouble, but I could try. Without all the lights from cars stuck in traffic, it really is dark out here. Nothing but flat farmlands. I'm staying vigilant about being aware of anything running out in front of my car. I realize I'm going faster and faster trying to keep up with the car in front of me, but they're creeping up to 90 miles an hour and I just can't drive that fast. As I begin to slow down, I see a sign that says Malvern Manor, 20 miles. Ugh, perfect. I can slow down, and a manor sounds like somewhere to get some sleep. I keep track of the number of miles I go, just in case. I would really hate to miss it and get lost out here. At 20 miles on the dot, there's another sign that says Malvern. I turn and follow another road. There wasn't any indication for where Malvern or the manor was. I'm just going to keep going straight down this road until I see something else. I can start to see some light in the distance. It's pretty faint, but a good sign. I come on a town. It's small and still. It's not 7 p.m. or anything, but I was expecting at least one person or car. I don't know how I'm supposed to find this place. I'm not seeing any additional signs. My phone still won't load anything and nothing looks open. On top of all of that, not even a gas station yet. I feel as though I'm about to lose hope when from a darkened street corner, I see a white sign with red letters, just like earlier. I pull into what I think is the driveway. There's just one car. I check my surroundings and see and hear nothing before getting out of the car. I may be stupid enough to drive to a random town in the middle of the night, but I'm not stupid enough to get myself murdered. I grab my phone and keys, shut the car door as quietly as possible, and walk up to the front door. There's one light on in a window in the upstairs, but no outside lights on. 
Is this place even open? Is it even an inn? Oh well. I've come this far. I can't start questioning myself now. I give a small knock on the door and wait. I don't hear anything on the other side. I knock again, but louder. Someone would definitely hear me if they were in there and awake. I hear loud movement coming from somewhere in the house. It grows closer until the door starts to open. Look, man, I already told you. We're allowed... Her voice trails off as she looks at me. Oh, can I help you? I ask about staying the night in the manor. She gives me an annoyed, quizzical look and says, We have a closed appointment. You'll have to talk with the owner and sort it out another time. Genuinely confused, I ask, Well, do you know of anywhere else I can stay the night? She kind of laughs and asks, What? So, I explain that I'm looking for somewhere to stay the night. Say, the sign for the manor. Figure it was like an inn, so I took the chance. She asks, You know you're like in the middle of nowhere, right? There's nowhere that's going to be open this late over here. Okay, well, thanks, I say meekly. I'll just figure something out then. Wait, wait, wait. She says as I begin walking away. I can't just let you drive around in the middle of the night not knowing where you're going. This is going to sound crazy, but we're investigating this house. We shouldn't be here too much longer. If you stay out of our way, you can follow us back to where we're staying and try to get you a room. Investigating? I ask. She laughs again. (laughs) This time it's softer. Duh. You obviously don't know what Malvern Manor is if you thought it was an inn. It's dubbed one of the most haunted places in the country. You scared of ghosts? I give a dry laugh. She's messing with me. Of course, no one but me would think a haunted hotel is an inn. She opens the door wider and I follow her into the house. There's two other people waiting behind her. A man and a woman. They introduce themselves to me and ask my name. Emily, I say. The guy turns his camera around and says, What's up everyone? Scarecrew here with our latest victim, Emily. Camera to me and I wave. He puts the camera down and lets me know I'm not a victim. That's just what they call guests on their show. He goes on to tell me they're paranormal investigators and they're looking to see if they can get actual evidence of the ghosts that live in this house. It's all coming together. They had just gotten started right before I came. So far, nothing they felt or heard has been caught on camera. They'll listen to the recording afterwards. You can't always rely on your ears to hear the ghosts. I'm interested in the history of the house and completely baffled by how I got myself into this situation. It'll be cool to write about one day, if I survive the night. Okay, I don't need to freak myself out. They tell me the names of some of the ghosts they're looking for and who the best ghost to get evidence for would be. It's pretty wild how some of the people that lived in their house were treated. 
It's so sad how mental health is just now becoming widely accepted and treated. The manor still looks very much like a manor. We walk down the hallway and glance into each of the rooms. Them all dark and quiet. No alarms on the equipment is going off. The only sound is our breathing and muffled footsteps on the carpet. We finally come upon one room. It has so much more life than the rest. It was pink with a floral pattern all over it. While the manor has definitely been worn down, you can tell this room once belonged to a child. I felt compelled to enter and look around. My heart hurts to know that a child lived in this type of house. As we're standing in the room, our flashlights flicker. One of the girls gives a chuckle and asks, Are you getting this? And their partner, with camera in hand, says, Yeah. He's looking right at me. When his face goes blank and his eyes slowly begin to look down, the camera following. I look to follow his gaze and see he's looking at his pants leg. Without anything touching his pants, you can see an area being tugged on. Barely audible, he whispers. Are you seeing this, or is this just me? And as the two girls turn to look, all of the lights turn off and we're in the darkness. From right behind my shoulder, I hear, The devil's coming to get me. Let out a scream and run out of the room. I turn and run to the front door, eager to get out of here. But as I approach it, I see a figure standing in front. I turn hard and find the stairs. I run up to escape these things. As I'm at the top of the stairs, I realize my mistake. I'm trapped. I hear footsteps coming up the stairs and the people below calling out. Emily, where did you go? It doesn't sound like a person on the stairs. I begin to step backwards, afraid of what's about to emerge from the staircase. There's a light seeping in from a window behind me. It lights up the staircase just a bit. I'm so focused on the slow creaking steps up the stairs and trying to control my breathing that I almost don't feel the slight breeze blowing against my back. It sounds like the last steps are finally being taken and everything goes quiet. I don't hear footsteps and I don't hear anything downstairs. I stand still, straining my eyes and ears. From a short distance behind me, I hear a creak. I try to slightly turn around, and as I do, I see the outline of a person just standing in the light. They aren't moving, and it's freaking me out. Hello? I whisper. Emily! I hear from downstairs. I turn towards the stairs to walk back when I feel a shove in my back. I lose my footing for a moment, but steady myself just before the first step down. I place a hand on the wall to steady myself when I see it. A smeared handprint being dragged along the wall. I follow where it goes with my eyes. The hallway is too dark to make out that level of detail. But as I'm standing there, I feel another hard smack, but on the leg this time. It feels like something is purposefully trying to get me to fall down the stairs. I'm gathering myself yet again when I hear a small voice from down the hall. Run. I bolt forward, down the stairs, open the front door, and rush to my car. 
As I approach my door, I fumble for my keys in my pocket. As I'm about to press the unlock button, I drop them. No! I think and reach down and grab them. I'm not taking a second to even look behind me to see if anything followed me out. The car unlocks and I throw myself inside, locking the doors as soon as mine shuts. I turn it on and get the hell out of there. I'll risk sleeping on the side of the road. As I'm turning off the street, I glance in my rearview mirror and see a figure sitting in the back seat. Hey guys, it's Holly and Brittany, two sisters who take a deep dive into the history of the world's most haunted places and paranormal happenings. This is Sisterstitious, and it's about to get spooky. When one pulls up to 103 East 3rd Street in Malvern, Iowa, it isn't hard to see why this building advertises to walk with the dead. Its eerie, rundown appearance would make most people haul out of there. But in fact, it attracts like flies those looking to witness something paranormal. This building has been used for multiple purposes and exchange ownership frequently through the years. And while the space is basically now abandoned, it's full of life inside. Except this life isn't actually living. Malvern Manor is known to be one of the most haunted buildings in the United States. Listen along to hear why paranormal investigators flock to this location in hopes for some long-awaited paranormal evidence. We would also like to add a trigger warning as this episode contains examples of suicide and sexual assault. Now, since every good ghost story starts at the beginning, that is where we're going to begin. Malvern Manor gets its name from the small town it sits in, Malvern, Iowa. Originally, Malvern Manor was the home of the first resident in the city, John D. Paddock. Through time, the home became a number of businesses. It was once a hotel, a nursing home, and a place people could stay who had special needs. Now, a small agricultural town with approximately 1,050 residents, Malvern was once bustling with activity, as the city was in close proximity to Burlington and Missouri. Many of the guests that would make their stop in Malvern would stay at the Cottage Inn, which is now known as Malvern Manor. Most nights, the inn would be completely booked as it was the only hotel in the area. It took in a vast array of guests, each having their own backstory and each coming in from all different walks of life. While the Cottage Inn would primarily stay busy, it did tend to turn over many owners. Unfortunately for Malvern, Highway 34 was constructed and Malvern was omitted from the highway. The hotel closed its doors in the 1950s. After sitting vacant for a while, the Cottage Inn became a nursing home in 1956. Many updates and restorations took place during this time, and even an entirely new addition was added onto the building, which is now known as the Nursing Home Wing. If you ever happen to visit Malvern Manor, this area of the building looks drastically different from the rest of the structure. 
While having a nursing home in the town was an extreme blessing to the community, the state of Iowa came in and forced them to close their doors due to the inability to keep up with regulations. These regulations included space issues such as door frames being too small to easily transfer patients through the building. The nursing home officially shut its doors sometime in the 1970s. Malvern Manor was then turned into a group home. The residents who came to live in this home had a range of different diagnoses. Some had Down syndrome, alcoholism, DID, schizophrenia, depression, and even included residents who had committed murders. The woman who originally owned the group home had an extreme love for her patients, so much so that she actually lived in a trailer on the property so that she could easily access her building at all hours of the day and night. Unfortunately for the people who resided in this home, the state of Iowa made her retire at 87 as they felt she was unfit to continue running the home. In the 90s, a new owner took charge of the building and he was basically the opposite of who the previous owner was. It is alleged that he stole money from the earnings the home acquired and was verbally and physically abusive. Apparently, you can still see blood spots smeared and splattered on the walls from an altercation between him and a resident in the home. Former nursing staff who worked in the building with this owner said that they saw him kicking and hitting patients. He was arrested and the home again had to be shut down in 2005. Years later, a new owner named Quincy bought the house. He had no idea what to do with it and actually lived in Malvern Manor for about six months before he bought another house next door. When he occupied Malvern Manor, he noticed that weird things began happening. He would hear voices, belongings would be moved, see strange visions, and even hear banging and knocking on the floors and walls. Even though Quincy didn't really believe in ghosts, he did get so spooked a few times he had to physically remove himself from the home. Ready to sell the property, it was then that he met the current owner of Malvern Manor, Josh Hurd. This is Josh's story. Josh Hurd was in Malvern, Iowa in August 2014 to film a paranormal investigation documentary. He was going to film his opening scene in a restaurant called The Classic, which is deemed haunted, but realized that the bar that sits next door produces a lot of noise that would interfere with the group's ability to capture and decipher legitimate paranormal activity. Frustrated, he went outside to smoke a cigarette. While he was smoking, a man came up and asked what all the cameras were for. This man was Quincy, and he started to tell Josh all about the building he owned and how haunted it was. He then invited Josh and his crew to go take a look around the building and even offered for them to stay the night and film whatever they needed. As the night went on, Josh got more than he anticipated. The cameras couldn't keep up with all the paranormal phenomena that was going on. The group heard disembodied voices, knocks and bangs, and even experiences that Josh can't explain to this day. One of Josh's first experiences included hearing a noise in one of the rooms. So he went to investigate with his brother, who was also a member of the filming crew. As they approached and entered the room, they could hear footsteps in the hallway and moaning coming from inside the room they were in. He felt like whatever was in this really wanted them to leave. Just as they were making their way out of the room, Josh felt a sharp pain in his back. He described it as a burning sensation that was so painful it disoriented him. He knew then that he was dealing with the real deal. 
After the filming was over for Josh's project, he made sure to keep in touch with Quincy and talked him into opening his house up for paranormal work and tours. This is when they named the home Malvern Manor. Josh would begin hosting ghost tours in the home and people would come from all over to see just how haunted this building was. Then one day, Quincy told Josh that he was going to take a new job out of state and that he was going to have to sell Malvern Manor. Upset with the idea that the house could be purchased and torn down, Josh bought Malvern Manor from Quincy. It was very important to Josh that whatever paranormal events that were happening needed to be preserved and not destroyed. Josh still owns Malvern Manor and still hosts tours in paranormal groups. Josh didn't remove or change anything in the house, so what you see when you visit is exactly how it was left after the group home shut down. Many personal items were left behind from some of the residents and are still in their vacant rooms today, such as clothing, books, wheelchairs, etc. Not wanting to interfere with the paranormal energy in the building, Josh has done nothing in terms of restorative work on Malvern Manor. The building looks extremely worn down outside and inside and carries an ominous atmosphere. Even though not everyone who has visited has had it experience, many do and many have told similar stories. So much so that there are many known spirits who reside in the home. The following are some of the spirits who still live in Malvern Manor. Due to medical confidentiality, minimal information has been shared about some of the spirits who were once residents of the home. Some information has been discovered through paranormal investigations, though. The first spirit we will talk about is a woman named Gracie. Her room is on the main level of the manor. Gracie had multiple personality disorder and was known to have up to 13 different personalities. This was an extreme case and had personalities that ranged from different genders to different ages. Many of the staff who worked in the group home would frequently hear male voices in Gracie's room even though she was the only one in there that occupied the space. One of the male personalities was even quoted saying things that were disturbing, such as, the devil's coming to get me. Visitors of Malvern Manor have heard many different voices coming from her room. Gracie is drawn to male visitors and enjoys it when males sit on her wheelchair or lay in her bed. She is known to tug at clothing and even physically climb on top of visitors with people claiming they felt pressure on the top of their body as if someone is physically laying on them. She also gets upset when guests leave her room, and to show her frustration, she will bang loudly on the wall as you exit. Questions have been raised about Gracie's different personalities haunting her room. It is hoped that after one passes, that their disease does not follow them into the afterlife. We are also unsure of what happened to Gracie after the home shut down as she was transferred to a different living community. She could very well still be alive. So, why are her many personalities still active in her room? Some paranormal investigators think that her different personalities have become individualized into entirely different entities. And while we don't know if this is the case for sure, it's still fascinating nonetheless. We will stay on the first floor and move to an area of the building known as the nursing home wing. In this wing, there is a hallway named the Shadow Man's Hallway. If this name isn't descriptive enough of what takes place in this area, a tall shadowy figure has been seen by many in this hallway. The Shadow Man is known to emerge from room two, which is now being used as storage and locked, and quickly charges at visitors who are standing in the hallway. 
His shadow will engulf the totality of the hallway in mere seconds, sending many guests running out of the building scared for their life. The shadow man is not known to physically injure anyone, but information that came from a former staff member who worked in the facility said that room two once belonged to a man who stood six feet seven and was completely deranged. It was also believed that he had killed two people. Many of the nursing staff and workers were extremely scared of the patient and would refuse to even help him put on his shoes. It was also said that during bed checks at night, the man would come out of his room and chase away whoever was sent to check on him. Since the shadow man sightings are pretty similar between witnesses, it has been questioned if this entity is part of a residual haunting rather than an intelligent one. The next spirit with frequent activity is from a woman who stayed in room seven. We don't know her name, but she was known to be very beautiful in her 30s and it was brought in because she was obsessed with the idea that her husband was going to leave her because her beauty was fading. During her time in the home, she would obsessively brush her hair in front of the mirror. After she felt that brushing her hair wasn't helping, she got so frustrated that she started ripping out her own hair. She stopped eating and slowly deteriorated until she sadly passed away at the facility. Visitors who come to Malvern Manor have heard weird moaning coming from inside her room and have also claimed to smell an overpowering musty odor. People have described it as a random overpowering smell of BO that comes and goes. Women specifically have claimed to feel their ankles being grabbed while standing in this room. The door to room seven will also open and close by itself. During a tour on a Halloween evening, 45 people who were on the tour were able to witness the door opening and closing on its own. As we move on to the second level, the first spirit we will discuss goes by the name of the captain. The captain's corner is where he is the most active, and this is in the area of the hallway that has the blood smear on the wall mentioned earlier. He was one of the owners of the building and his spirit is one of the more violent ones. He has been known to hit people's arms and legs so hard that bruises were formed. He doesn't like all of the visitors that come through Malvern and makes his displeasure known. He's also known to be active in room 24 as well. Continuing on the second floor, Susie is another spirit that is known in Malvern Manor. She was a middle-aged patient with the mentality of an eight-year-old. When you walk into Susie's room today, you will find coloring books, crayons, and other things a young girl would enjoy. Many guests are encouraged to color in her book to spark some paranormal activity. She has been heard on EVPs saying that her favorite color is pink. Pages in her books are said to turn on their own. Many investigators believe that she is contained to her room and is scared to come out. Tour guests and investigators have felt and witnessed some type of spirit right outside of her door, and many believe that that is what's frightening her and keeping her in her room. Audio devices have recorded her saying, scared, and he won't let me leave. It has been suggested that this is the spirit of the captain who is keeping her confined to her room. The next room on the second level belongs to one of the more famous spirits in the manor. It is known as the spirit of a young girl named Inez. Inez's story is very tragic as her death is not known to be an actual suicide or accident. Inez was a 12-year-old girl who was born in 1888. She and her brother started living with their aunt and uncle as their parents could not accept responsibility for them. 
Years later, the mother claimed to want her kids back, and when Inez's aunt told her that she was going to start living with her mother, Inez got extremely sad and upset, as she didn't want to live with her mother again, apparently saying, I would rather die than go and live with my mother. One afternoon, Inez and her brother were playing in the front of their house when she said she was going inside. When her brother went up to her room to check on her, he found her hanging in her closet by her neck with her jump rope. Horrified, he and his uncle tried to take her down and save her, but tragically, she had already passed. Inez's spirit is often heard in the manner saying her name, and many visitors hear her running upstairs. The interesting thing about all of this is that Inez never lived in Malvern Manor, and while the home where she died was only a few houses down, it is confusing to paranormal investigators as to why her spirit would reside in a home she didn't pass in. There are a few theories that could be the reason for this. The first theory is that the manor is an attraction for spirits, so since Inez did die close to the vicinity of the house, it is thought that maybe her spirit just feels more comfortable at the manor. The second theory is that Inez's spirit isn't actually the spirit of Inez at all, and that it's something more sinister. There are some spirits or entities that like to pretend they're children to lure you into trusting and communicating with them. And while it may never be known who or what Inez's ghost actually is, the spirit continues to be playful and seemingly non-malevolent. Room 15 belonged to the next resident spirit who goes by the name Henry or Hank. His name depends on what he wants to be called that day. Henry's reputation is that of a grumpy old man and was known to sit in the front of the home and throw rocks at kids who were passing by. He was also known to despise women. When people visit today, they are encouraged to remove his clothes from his drawers and refold them. Apparently, this makes Henry upset enough to start interacting with guests in his room. If you are a woman and really brave, you are even encouraged to put on one of his shirts, as this will make him very angry. EVPs have recorded Henry yelling, get out, many times, and his spirit has even gone far enough to physically assault some of the visitors that come into his room. Reports of women getting an overwhelming sense of uneasiness, like they are unwelcome, is also very frequent in Henry's room. The last two rooms we'll discuss on the second level are rooms 17 and 18. The reported history of these rooms is a dark one, and over time, through paranormal investigations, it is believed that what was happening was entirely misunderstood. The story goes that the man who stayed in room 17 would time out when staff would do their patient checks. When they were done, he would leave his room and go across the hall to room 18 multiple times a week to sexually assault the man staying there. This story was confusing to Josh because he had a hard time believing that the workers in this facility would just continue to allow this to happen, especially at the rate it was occurring. Through questioning during an investigative session, answers were recorded that were deemed Class A EVPs, which means that the audio recording heard back was exceptionally clear. Some of the answers given were, that never happened, and I loved him. So another theory that has been brought up is that the two men were in a consensual, loving relationship, and the staff just chose to turn a blind eye and allow them to have the opportunity to express their love. Now, we obviously don't know if this scenario was what was actually going on, and I feel it is important that bringing up this altered scenario isn't to downplay possible sexual assault, because if that was in fact happening, it's extremely tragic and unfortunately, there will probably never be valid answers. 
Next, we will move on to the attic. The attic is known to have more malevolent activity. Many visitors begin to feel very dizzy and sick while they are there. Some have described it as a similar feeling to when you drink too much and start to experience something known as the spins. Some have even thrown up. Visitors have frequently heard scratching from inside the walls and have even been physically scratched themselves with marks left on their body. The spirit of the man who stays in the attic has been heard asking for cigarettes and beer on EVPs. You can find beer bottles and cigarettes scattered in the attic left by previous tour guests. It is unknown what the attic was used for in its day as a nursing home and group home, but it is clear that it was used for something as parts of the attic were finished and not used solely as storage. Many others have also heard growling coming from the area of the building and sounds of heavy furniture being dragged as well. The last spirit we will discuss is actually a spirit that is attached to a haunted doll. Yes, like Annabelle. The doll is named Rose and the spirit that has attached itself to the doll calls itself number one. Rose was brought to the Malvern Manor by a woman who came into ownership of the doll and noticed some really strange activity coming from it. The doll would apparently move from room to room in her house. She decided to deem the doll haunted and surrender it to Josh. When he first received the doll, he put it in a glass box and left it in his office. When he returned the next day, the lid from the box was wide open and the doll was found in a completely different room. No one had access to the space or the office besides Josh. He decided to put a lock on the glass box. While the locked box keeps the doll from escaping, she can still be seen changing positions in the box. And while the doll doesn't physically escape, the spirit of number one roams the manor. Number one is another one of those not-so-friendly spirits. A male voice accompanies number one, and low growling has been heard along with insults. He is known in the manor as being a big old jerk, and possibly the reason for the dark energy captured on the second floor. If you would like to take a chance to witness some of the hauntings and paranormal activity in the manor, there are hour-long tours Wednesday through Sunday, and the cost is $10 per ticket. If you want to spend more time at the manor, there are also options for overnight investigations, and prices vary depending on the day. You will also be required to sign a waiver to enter, and the waiver is known to be quite excessive due to the condition of the house. For those that are interested in seeing the manor but don't actually want to visit physically, there is a 360-degree tour of Malvern Manor on their website, malvernmanor.weebly.com. Hey guys, it's that time again for us to go deeper and maybe make things a little creepier. Haha. <laughs> um, <laughs> firstly, we just wanted to say that we are so happy to finally be back and we want to thank those of you that reached out to us last week to wish, wish us well and to feel better. Um, it was actually just me that was sick, not Brittany. Um, but yeah, and we wanted to add that the stomach flu is going around. So make sure that you guys are washing your hands because you definitely don't want to get it. It was not enjoyable and super contagious. We would also like to add that after episode 10, we are going to take a break for a few weeks. And by break, I mean, we just aren't going to be putting out new episodes until May 18th. 
So during this time, we're going to be fully working on the podcast and getting things set up like a website and hopefully a Patreon and also just trying to get more ahead on each episode so we don't end up leaving you all hanging like we did this week. Also, this would be a great time to start sending us suggestions if you want us to cover certain places. And we also want to thank you all. We've reached about 1500 streams, which is amazing. And we have listeners from all over the world. So we just want to thank you all for listening. Seriously, thank you. And once again, if you are enjoying our podcast, please make sure you leave us a review. We love getting to hear the positive feedback from you guys. Creating a podcast is a ton of work. So just getting positive feedback obviously would make us feel better, you know? Um, Yeah, so Malvern Manor. This was a very interesting place. I had never heard of it until we started doing the research about it. And um, I was so like fascinated with Asylum 49 that I was afraid that it really wasn't going to compare, but it actually ended up comparing pretty well. Yeah. And you don't hear anything being called a manor that often anymore. So I feel like it adds an even creepier twist to it. You always hear inn or hotel or house, but a manor is like I don't know. Something else. Yeah. And I also really like how there's just so much like accessibility to it. Mm -hmm. Um, When I've been like reading and doing research for a bunch of these haunted places, it just like sometimes it just feels like more exclusive for paranormal investigators to kind of have access to some of these buildings for long periods of time or get in at times when like other people wouldn't necessarily be able to like get in so I don't know I guess I I guess I like that pretty much even if you're not like a professional investigator like you can still pay the money to go and like do your own investigation right and I think it's open like seven days a week so you don't have to fight for the weekend to do it like some of the other places that are only open on the weekends I thought it was really interesting too that the owner Josh just like loves the place so much and wants to you know keep it intact and kind of, I guess, protect the spirits from not letting it um, be torn down. I just think that that that's really interesting. It was just such a moment of fate of how he came into possession of it in the first place that it's like it truly was meant to be somewhere that he owned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we know um, that he didn't really change anything in the manor so when you go in you're kind of seeing everything left the way that it was and it's it's definitely definitely creepy um i did talk about the waiver in the episode earlier and i just thought it would be fun to share the waiver um the waiver is actually completely and fully reproduced in richard estep's book the devil's coming to get me which was his uh, paranormal investigation through the haunting of Malvern Manor, which once again, highly recommend this book if you want more information. Um, But I'm going to read the waiver just because it is like super long, um, very descriptive. So when you enter into this building and you decide to take a ghost tour, do a paranormal investigation, you have to sign a waiver that states, I understand that I'm in a place with significant reported paranormal activity 
And while such has not been scientifically proven, I will not hold the ownership or management liable or responsible in any way for psychological experiences or effects, whether long-term or short-term. I acknowledge that I have not disclosed my psychological condition, state of mind, or physical condition with any degree of certainty, and I take full responsibility and assume all risks for any effect this may have on my state of mind, mental health, and physical effects. If I'm a minor, parent consent is required. I understand that I am possibly going to be in dimly lit areas without total control of my whereabouts and that I will take full responsibility and assume all risks of personal injury from where I go, how I walk, and how I conduct myself during the event. I know I am free to leave and I understand that I will not be held against my will by management and will report such if any other guest does or so attempts to do so. I will not hide in the bathrooms or use them for anything other than using the toilet for its intended purpose. I understand that management retains the responsibility to provide a safe structure for all the guests, but has no control or responsibility if events occur or reactions ensue caused by paranormal. I will not lean over railings or put my body weight anywhere where a stair or railing could break. I will be held liable if I break anything or cause damage in a panic. I understand that I act, if I act unruly or do not respect the rights and experiences of others, I may be warned to leave and asked to immediately leave without admission, cost refunds, or if harm is caused. So, guess he, like, hits everything. Yeah. It's very specific about the bathroom. Yeah, well, I guess maybe he had people that were uh, scaring others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's even, like, the psych a lot, like... You should know if you're entering that building, uh, probably going to have some psychological effect could cause damage or if something follows you home. Ugh. Yeah, not been held responsible for that. Malvern Manor is reported or stated to be one of the most haunted houses in the U.S. Um, and from what I've read, it sounds like it possibly could be. I mean, there's a lot of specific spirits, but... Also, some things that I learned, too, in this is that sometimes, you know, you're going to go in and you're not going to have any experience. Meanwhile, you know, somebody that comes in right after you is going to have a crazy experience. So it's just like all about what you attract. Yeah. 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 I don't know why that is. Um, Some people think it's just like the energy you're putting out there. It would be interesting for sure to go and see it. I wouldn't. Well, that's why the tour online is good for you, which you did do, which it's 360. So if you like have an Oculus or some other form of like virtual reality device, you can like actually feel like you're in the room or in the manor when he's walking through, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you get like a private tour by Josh. Yeah. Um, Do you want to describe some of the things you saw? So um, you go in and he's kind of leading the way at first, but he basically just will walk you down the hallway and the camera will like kind of look into the room, but you can move it so that you can see into the room. But he doesn't give like a whole big tour um, of some of the rooms. I think he wants people to come see them for himself, but... It's very run down, as you mentioned earlier. He didn't change anything. Um, and it looks very dormish. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, it didn't look like what I was expecting it to look like. 
Because he goes into one area where it's like a parlor. I don't know. Because there's like a furnace that's mm-hmm. lit. And I don't think that the house has heat because he has blankets up to keep the heat in this one room. Mm. But he goes down another hall that was like the nursing home side and he takes the blanket down and it gave me the creeps when he did that because it was so dark and you got to see like where the nursing station was and I was like ooh, I don't know yeah right so yeah so since we talked about most of the spirits that are very commonly seen in the manor when you if you decide you want to do the online tour that he has on his website like now you'll actually like so while he may not show you all the rooms you'll have a better idea of like what he's talking about with all of the knowledge and information that we provided mm-hmm. so another thing that i wanted to add that i thought was interesting that we did not add in the podcast um just because it was like it's like a mere suggestion um is that apparently there is a connection between malvern manor and the Villisca, hope I'm saying it right. The Villisca Axe Murder House, um, which is also in Iowa, which is, I think, right, very, very close to where um, Malvern Manor sits. Um, I'm not very familiar with Iowa, so I don't, we've never been to Iowa. Um, but apparently there's like a connection between the two. It There's been a few theories about why there's a connection or why some people feel that there's a connection. And one theory is that possibly the man who committed the axe murders at the Velisca house um, possibly stayed at Malvern Manor when it was a hotel. Um, so that connection's already there. So could the shadow figure, some of these more malevolent spirits, be the spirit of the Velisca axe murder? Um, And then also another thing that, you know, we love to bring up is that there's apparently like a line of limestone underneath um, Malvern Manor that stretches all the way to the Velisca Axe Murder House. So just like crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, once again, like none of this is known for sure, but it's just kind of a fun little thing to add. Um, Yeah. Just because, like, who would have thought? Definitely. And it's so weird because before looking into any of this, you don't... He- I never heard anything about limestone. And now it's, like, everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's above a huge deposit of limestone. And you're like, mm-hmm. all right, all right. I get it. I'm getting it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I guess it just traps energy. And it's just... It's very interesting. And I've said it before, like, it'll be... if If... If the research can actually ever be done, because I don't think we're ever really going to know what's going on with these spirits and what's happening. Like, we're never going to have solid answers. But I do think it would be neat if, like, they could possibly do more studies on that. Yeah, for sure. I just know because, like, I'm trying to buy a house in the next year. I'm going to be like, what's your limestone situation? The realtor is going to be like, what? Yeah. Like, I just need to know for personal reasons what's going on under my house. Right. Um, Apparently, water is another big, like, energy back, like, produce a lot of energy, apparently. So, like, that can also impact the spiritual energy. And I'm like, all right, I live on a lake. So that's fun. Doomed to be haunted, Holly. Yeah. Something that uh, 
I that caught my attention how Grace's uh, she had multiple personalities and they show themselves as the different personalities in the hauntings and like you can hear you can very clearly hear the different entities that these personalities have come into and you can also hear them simultaneously so it kind of we touched on it a little bit with asylum 49 of the man who had dementia Mm -hmm. in life and then you know when he died he continued to be the man with dementia um and it's just so weird how the mental health aspect carries over into the next life whether you're trapped or not and it was just super interesting to think about that your different personalities are no longer trapped in one body they can be free to be their own singular entity and act as they want to act and it's like very cool but also extremely terrifying yeah Mm -hmm. because what if that explains so many spirits where you know we talked about um in the stanley when we talked about the one woman who didn't exist possibly didn't exist what if she was another person's other personality Mm -hmm. yeah even though she disappeared but it's just you know the paranormal is just this whole other world yeah when you start to really dig into it well and then you just like discover so much that you just didn't even think about like like a mental health kind of staying behind um and hope hoping that like i mean just there's been like lots of discussions about different things but even like you know does your actual like soul move on when you die but like what gets trapped is like you know parts of your spirit or like parts of your personality that like you know are mm-hmm. just kind of trapped like the person that actually existed like <laughs> their spirit or soul is like not aware that like parts of their personality have been left behind yeah um, and even like people who haven't died sometimes like their energy or spirit can like haunt a place too which is really weird so it just like goes Mm. it just goes on because what we know about was it Susie or gracie one of them which i should remember that were they're not even sure if she died right and then you have the captain who is also like a really mean evil spirit and he is supposed to be the spirit from the owner that got arrested and I mm-hmm. tried to look so hard and so deep on all the newspaper archives to try to figure out what this guy's name was. And I couldn't find anything. Like, I couldn't find any information on what the nursing home or even the um, group home that it turned into. Like, I couldn't find any names. Like, no idea what it's called. That that has been a reoccurring theme because I tried to find out what the name of the nursing home was when it was part of Asylum 49, mm. and it was horrible to find it. So I guess it was just these cities don't keep good records of that kind of stuff, especially yeah. if it has maybe a super dark background. They'd rather just, you know, whoops, lose that paperwork, which is kind of sad because it also erases... Maybe all the history people should know. Right, yeah. And I mean, I think that, you know, they were able to get a lot of information and knowledge from, like, people who had previously worked in 
the in the nursing home or in the group home um mm-hmm. which like is so helpful but you know also with like medical confidentiality like they couldn't get a ton of information so oh yeah i don't know it's just interesting um I also thought Hank's personality, Hank slash Henry's personality, um, was the funniest just because like grumpy old men are funny and it's terrible that he was throwing rocks at children, you know, like he's literally like, get off my lawn. Yeah. Yeah. Old man. Like, stop touching my stuff. Get out of my room. Leave me alone. Which like, I'm sure if I was stuck in there, I'd be pissed too. Yeah. So, yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. And then the Inez uh, story is really interesting, too. How they're not even sure why she's there, if it is her, or if it is a completely different thing that is pretending to be her. But at the same token, if it was pretending to be her, like, it hasn't done anything. Like, what would it be getting out of the situation, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. And how would it even know about her? Well, I mean, they're in the afterlife. I feel like they gotta know things. I guess. I don't remember. I don't remember if they had mentioned her name before, but I don't even think they had. I think they just, like, heard it on EVP. Um, And that's how they knew. And then I know with, like, the thermal cameras, I think thermal cameras, some other camera that they use in the paranormal world, um, like, literally, like, had the picture of a body, like, being hung in the closet that is, like, deemed her room, even though it never was her room. So it's just interesting and spooky. Yeah, that's super spooky. Yeah, definitely. I would do it. I would go and do a ghost tour, but yeah, would not would not stay the night there. I think anywhere that has a malevolent spirit, I would just automatically be a no. Yeah, because like I don't want to die. <laughs> well, I don't think you would die. I just think, yeah, you might be like psychologically altered and not be the same again. Like he warns in his waiver. Yeah, because then you would know, like, this is real. You can never be like, oh, was that just my cat? You're like, no, it was a spirit. Yes. Um, interesting thing that I never talked about that I'm always like, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell this story that I always forget about. Say almost 10 years ago at this point, which is crazy. 10 years ago, I was living in a really old historic building. that used to be a school that they turned into lofts. And I was living there with my friend Emily And we had like really weird experiences in our apartment, just like things that we were, that were both like that were happening to both of us. And I'll get to the point with the cat. Um, But one of the things is like, our doors would lock all the time. Like our bedroom doors would lock. Like we would come home and try to go into our room and like our bedroom door would be locked and nobody locked it. Um, And then another time, Emily's door was locked to her bathroom. She woke up and her faucet was on, like all the way on, and she couldn't get into her bathroom because it was locked. Yeah, just super crazy. And then we had a friend that was staying the night at our apartment, and she heard like weird coughing sounds coming from the bathroom, like when she was in the bathroom. And I know that it like really spooked her out um, because she said it was like, it was it was it wasn't like it was somebody from next door that was coughing. It was like a really weird sound, you know? Mm. The creepiest thing that happened to me was and this also includes like furniture moving above you 
which also is something that you hear at Malvern. So we were on the top floor. So the attic was right above us um, in the super old building. And one night I was at the apartment by myself. And I remember I was having like a really hard time going to sleep and I was looking into my bathroom and like my, so I was looking directly at my shower curtain as I was laying down and something like hit the shower curtain super hard that it like moved the shower curtain, you know, enough to like see it visually move. Right. And so I was like, holy crap, what was that? Like worried that it was like some bug that crawled out from under, like from the drain or I don't know. I was like, I got to see what this is. And I open up the the curtain and of course nothing's there nothing's in the bathroom super weird so already I'm like all right this is weird I guess I'll try to go to sleep and as I'm trying to go to sleep I'm just hearing like dragging across the attic just like so creepy and I'm like okay you know you try to talk yourself out of these things try to figure out like what is a logical reason for this and then as I was trying to go to sleep I literally was like kept hearing like chanting over and over and over again and then felt somebody literally like my eyes were shut brush my arm with like full force that I like felt it 100% like it wasn't my mind and I was like was that my cat you know like and I like opened my eyes and my cat is on the total opposite side of the room and so after that I was just like heck no and I'm pretty sure I left and drove to our parents house because I was like this is too much and I'm by myself yeah I remember when you told me that story yeah it was just weird and then we ended up moving into a different unit in the building and I had no weird experiences so so I feel like the chanting would be the worst part It, it was just I don't even know how to describe it you know like it's like you couldn't catch a break like you saw the shower curtain move you heard the chanting then something touched you and mosey's just like she's gonna die tonight yeah i can see him mosey's probably watching this whatever this is in my room the whole time you know oh mosey yeah (laughs) well um i think that's it in terms of what we had to say about malvern manor thought it was pretty cool do you have anything to add nope if you're listening josh hit us up (laughs) for what i don't know to be friends to say hi okay yeah yeah okay bye (laughs) bye guys this episode was produced written and edited by holly daniel and Brittany murray cover art by ben may we want to thank you for listening to this production of sister stitious 